Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. The Mind Body Breakthrough online coaching program is a comprehensive and customizable guide for total body transformation. Its 150 pages will equip you with everything you need for a ketogenic lifestyle, from low-carb to zero-carb carnivore. The program contains a two-week carb cleanse, 30-day keto sample menu, 30-day sample workout guide, and much, much more. These are recipes you will love, exercises you can do, and strategies that you will enjoy making part of your life. From the person who wants to lose a few pounds on low-carb to the person using keto or carnivore to manage serious issues or optimize health and performance, this program has something for everyone. Sections include the carnivore allergy and autoimmune protocol, fasting, toxicity, and advanced strategies for sleep, stress management, cold thermogenesis, sauna, and more. Included with the program is lifetime access to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Coaching Group, where you'll have your questions answered, a support network to help you on your journey. Why pay for monthly memberships or coaching when you can have the best and most cutting-edge information and help at your fingertips anytime you want for as long as you want? Your adventure for a better, healthier life begins today. See the show notes for a discount link to the program and unlimited lifetime coaching. Imagine going to a restaurant and asking for a table because you can't fit in a booth. Imagine not going on trips with your family and friends because you can't close the seatbelt on a plane. Imagine not going, out, going and working out at the gym because you're afraid people are staring at you. In 2016, I stepped on the scale and I was 470 pounds. My name is Hatim, and this is the story of how I lost over 200 pounds with the ketogenic lifestyle. Hatim Anwar, welcome to the podcast. How are, you, how are you doing today? Great. How are you guys? We're doing awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Well, we are very excited to have you on today and your partners, uh, Hani and Eamon. And we want to know all about your journey. We want to know about Billy Doe Meats. Tell us the whole story. How did this start for you? Well, my story is about my journey about losing weight. And basically, I've been overweight my whole life, um, battling up and down, battling up and down, which I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate to. But in, uh, if I fast forward to just what happened in 2016, a friend of mine basically started losing weight. And I said, you know what, let me give it a try. You know, I, I've been, now I knew I was heavy, but I never knew how heavy I was. So, you know, and I'm sure some people can relate, can I like these guys, these skinny guys can never relate. But basically what happened was um, he started working out. So I said, you know, let me start working out, eating healthy by all standards, you know, eating, you know, oatmeal, bananas, apples, fruit, whole wheat, low fat, you know, sugar free, that kind of stuff. And I started working out, and in the month I lost, in a month, two months, I lost about 30 pounds. But um, started realized, started working out more and more. And keep in mind, when, at the weight that I was at, when I, I didn't know at the time how heavy I was, but the weight I was at, I could barely walk 15, 20 minutes before I was, you know, you know, out of breath. So um, any kind of movement was good for me. So at that point, I lost 30 pounds over a couple of months, but then I stalled. So typically. What happens is, you know, the philosophy that everyone's been telling me since I was a kid 
is that, you know, calories in, calories out, right? It's all about calories in, calories out. So just a simple math problem that, you know, I'm just not following, you know? And, and I'm not going to take anything away from the calorie. That kind of stuff. I'm just saying from my story. And what happened was I started cutting down my calories from like, you know, 2,500 to like 2,200. And I started working out more. I started going from half hour to 45 minutes and I still wasn't losing weight. But I was eating by all standards and, you know, a healthy diet, sweet potatoes, broccoli, you know, whole wheat rice, whole wheat bread, pineapples, oranges, orange juice, oatmeal, bananas. I was eating by, you know, this is a standard, you know, healthy diet, but, at, you know, so I continued and I said, okay, well, maybe I need to work out more. So I pushed it to an hour and I wasn't still losing weight. Now I lost a few pounds, but I wasn't moving anymore. Three, four, five months go by. I'm working out now two hours. And I cut my calories down to 1,500, and I'm still not losing weight. Nothing is happening. And at this point right now, it's been like six months, and I'm not losing weight. So fast forward, I'm now I'm at the point right now where, like, okay, it has to be because I'm not working out hard enough. Now I was doing spin classes. I was doing uh, hour and a half of strength training. I was doing uh, – I was literally at the gym for three hours a day. And my I have an Apple Watch. So my, my calories were like 3,500 calories burning a day. So, and I was eating 1,500 calories. Well, now I have a fa family full of, you know, doctors who say, well, you know what? You're basically starving yourself. You need to eat more. So I said, okay, maybe I'm, that's what's happening. So I increased my calories to 3,000 calories. And guess what? I still wasn't losing weight. So at this point right now, I'm at the point now where I give up. Like, I can't anymore. I, what I do, I can't work out. I'm working out like crazy. I'm not losing weight. I'm not losing weight. It's simple. Everyone's telling me, just stop eating. Just stop eating. It's so easy. You know, everyone blames people on, uh, you know, they fat shame people into saying basically like, you know, just, if you just control what you eat, this it's, you're, you're going to lose weight. And I, it's not like I'm sitting eating, you know, boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts, you know, at McDonald's every night. It, what, that's, that's the misconception that people have. I don't think people will get up in the morning, people who are overweight or obese get up in the morning and say, you know, I enjoy this lifestyle. I enjoy going to specialty stores to buy 5XL pants, size 56 pants is what I was wearing at the time. You know, nobody gets up in the morning and gets up and says, I love this life that I'm living. They can't look in mirrors because they can't stand the way they look at themselves. I couldn't couldn't go on planes with people, um, with family, because I couldn't fit in the seat and had to ask for the extenders or they're going to charge me double the price. I couldn't go to the gym when I first started because I was afraid that people were judging me because, like, look at that fat guy. What is he doing in the gym? And, you know, all this kind of stuff is going through your head. I, I couldn't I couldn't go to the amusement parks. I couldn't get on roller coasters. My family was going on all these trips. I couldn't do anything. So you just spins you into a cycle of depression. I'm trying, but I'm trying to work out how things working. So to make a long story, fast forward, my brother, <clears throat> we were going out to eat one time, and he's like, hey, a friend of mine started this diet called keto, and he lost like 20 pounds, you know, in like a month and a half or something. So I was like, that's wild. I'm like, I think it's just like a typical other diet. A lot of my family members have been on juice diets, on this diet or that diet, this diet, and they all, you lost weight, but then what happens as soon as you eat normal again, you balloon back up to what happens, right? To your weight that you were at before. So this was like October of like 2017. And then one, I sat, they, I sat down and I said, you know what? Maybe a couple of days later, and I said, let me just look into this keto and see what it is. So I started watching a lot of videos on YouTube and there's, I can name, I can say in a few people, I don't know if it's a big deal or not, but like Dr. Jason Fung, um, Dr. Barry, um, there's a lot of guys that I was, that I was listening to. And I was like, man, especially like Dr. Fung, but I saw his video and I was like, man, this is the first time that somebody said something that makes sense. Like there's a scientific reason why no matter how much I cut out my calories, I'm always hungry, you know, and I'm not losing weight. So like, this is the first time. So I said, you know what? Let me get his book. I got his book. I got a bunch of books, started researching. And then for two months, all I did was read, 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 watch videos, get as much information as I can. I said, you know what? Let me, let me give it a try. What am I going to lose? So I said, you know what? Let me step on the scale, see where I start out at. I stepped on the scale and it said ERR. And I was like, what the heck is ERR? I'm like, so I turn it over. I read on the scale and it says up to 400 pounds. And I... I was in absolute shock. I was like, there's no way. So I replaced the batteries. Maybe something's wrong, right? It's got to be something wrong. I'm not over 400 pounds. So I put, got, stepped on the scale again, placed the batteries, ERR. I was like, oh, my God. 
So I went to the gym, and the gym has one of those big industrial scales. And I was like, you know what? Let me let me step on the scale and see what happens. I stepped on the scale, and it got to 470-something, and I jumped off. I was heavier than 470, but I jumped off. I couldn't believe what happened. I couldn't believe I've gotten to this point. So, and, you know, I was still working out at the time, but three, four days a week, but I was well over 470. I don't even know what I was. I just somewhere around there. So I said, okay, let me start keto. That Sunday I started. And then, um, as some people know, people don't know, but I worked out on Monday, my typical workout, which was like an hour, hour and a half. And I was fine, no problems. Then Tuesday came around. Now, keep in mind, at that point, I was eating three meals a day, and that was consisting of and breakfast would be like eggs, um, um, basically eggs, butter, cheese. And then for lunch, I would be having like, you know, tuna. And then for dinner, I'd be eating like a ribeye with a salad, a spinach salad which, with olive and vinegar. I mean, olive oil and vinegar. And by all standards, like a keto diet, you know, I'd have a handful of nuts for, you know, for a snack now and then. And Tuesday came around and I was completely useless at the gym. I would literally walked in. And I could not lift, I could not move five minutes without getting a seriously bad headache. It was really bad. And I was useless. I couldn't go to the gym. I was almost bedridden for the next five days. Then Sunday came around the following week and I put myself on the scale and I lost eight pounds. After all this time, working out, running, cutting out my calories, doing this, I'd lost eight pounds and I didn't even work out. I was like, wow. Now, I realized that I read from, you know, a lot of people that basically the first week you lose a lot of water weight. So it's okay. You know what? Don't get ahead of yourself. No big deal. Just water weight. Well, then for something happened and Ayman was with me. He used to, he works out with me and he was with me that Monday. He's like, Hey, you want to work out? I'm like, yeah, I woke up. I was like a man possessed. I went to the gym and he's been fit all his life. He lives in months and all this stuff. And I was like a maniac. I left the gym after an hour and 45 minutes with more energy than I went in with. Like, I was like, I could, I, I, the energy was off the charts. I couldn't believe it. Like, I couldn't believe where I was at. And he hadn't, he hadn't done crack that morning either. So. <laughs> I was just completely, yeah, I stopped crack at that point. So, I basically, <laughs> so, like, I was just a man possessed. So, I was like, okay, this is incredible. I got so much energy. I've never even had this energy ever before. And at this point right now, I wasn't really counting calories because I was just trying to watch my macros on how many carbohydrates I was eating because I wanted to keep it under the 20 or 30 that people were saying to be around just to, you know, just to get, be in ketosis the whole time. Well, um, after that time, I was, uh, after that first week, I lost a second week. I weighed myself again. I lost another eight pounds. And I was like, okay, there's something here. Right. And basically over the time I started working out more, I started playing out basketball, but which is key to all this and important to people who are, I mean, people are listening, is that basically I never counted calories. And when I went back and looked at how many calories I was eating, I was eating four to 5,000 calories a day. And most important thing that I tell everybody is that I was never hungry. When I first started, I was eating three meals a day. Three, four months in, I was eating two meals a day. Now, I eat one meal a day. And I don't really care what I eat as long as it stays within my, you know, uh, basically meat and that kind of stuff. And I don't really care about calories. I basically just focus on getting full, which has never happened in the 38 years that I was living that I could ever say I was dieting or a lifestyle and not hungry. I was always hungry. And you can ask like friends and family, I would be sitting at night and I'm sure some people can relate to this. You're, you got to your 15 or 1800 calories and you're sitting in front of the fridge and like, okay, what fits within my hundred calories left that I can do? You know, you can eat a banana, can I eat some pudding, some sugar-free pudding? And I never was thinking about that anymore. When I was hungry, I would eat and I would eat till I was full. Eggs, cheese, meat, chicken, tuna, ribeyes, lamb, goat. You know, I have, I have connections to lamb and goat. So it was readily available. So basically, we would, I would be eating that all the time. And fast forward, so basically the fall of this year, which is, you know, a year. And so I started basically like in the January of 2017. And then right now, I went from 470 pounds to 260-ish, 207, around there, give or take. And I went from a size 56 pants to a size 38. And I went from a size 5XL shirt now I'm between an XL and a 2XL, somewhere around there. And basically, 
you know, I this this basically saved my life. And it's because of people in this community, you know. And keep in mind that there's a lot of people who are, I have a lot of doctors in the family, a lot of friends who are experts, experts in health, and they've been telling me, oh, keto's gonna kill you, keto's gonna butter's gonna kill you, fat is gonna kill you, blah, 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 blah. All that kind of stuff to tell me for a year and a half. But then as long as once I lost the weight, they were like, oh, oh. So how does this work? You know, I started getting that a lot of that. So how does that so and that's basically my story. You know, I I believe that. You know, like people like yourselves and people like Dr. Jason Fong and Dr. Barry, these people saved my life. And, you know, without this kind of community, with this kind of awareness, I definitely would have, my whole family is diabetic too. So I would have had diabetes. I would have had all kinds of problems. And my mom's diabetic. My uncles are all diabetic. My cousins are diabetic. And I was on a road to eating myself to death. I think, you know, thank God I basically, I found this solution to my problem and which was it's not about losing weight for me it was about getting healthy once i got healthy i would lose the weight once i figured out how to stop being hungry all the time then i would get healthy which led me to lose the weight and i still got a little bit of time to go i still got a little bit of weight to go but i'm almost there i'm much better than where i was at before and that's my story well, Hanum, that is just so encouraging, inspiring. I commend you. I'm so happy for you. And thank just you. thank you for sharing that with us. I feel like you and I are brothers from another mother. I have a very yes. similar story. I, I too, once stepped on a scale that just said error. Uh, unfortunately, my scale ended at 500 pounds. And wow. I was over, over 500. But had a very similar background, similar story, and found the same success. And, you know, it is, dare I say, magical to be able to eat these wonderful nutrient-dense foods, not have to worry about calories, not have to count macros. And yet every day, losing weight, getting healthier, getting in shape, being able to participate in life, go to the amusement park, sit in the plane seats, you know, and not worry about the booth at the restaurant. It is amazing. And when that happens, People get excited and we share it. And at first people look at us and wonder, wow, what's wrong with these people? Why are they yeah, so yeah. why are they so compassionate and committed? But when you find something that works, you just want to share it with everybody. And thank you. Thank you for doing that. So you guys have kind of a family business. Tell us about it. Tell us about Billy No Meats. We can go ahead. We can start with the name. I'll start with that. Where the name comes from, it's actually actually jargon for like farmers. They basically call a male goat a billy and a female goat a doe. So that's where the name Billy Doe comes from. Billy Doe Meats, yeah, it's got a ring to it. But um, once upon a time, um, you know, back when we were younger, um, you know, all of our cousins, including Hatton, uh, would think of me and my brothers as uh, cavemen. Um, <laughs> because we would basically be meeting, eat, meet, eating meat off of the grill. That was kind of our thing. You so know? they were the original cavemen before this thing was even popular. So, like, I swear, I used to go to their house and be like, do you guys even have forks and knives? Do, do we have anything that we can eat on the side, guys? Like maybe a salad, potatoes, like nothing. They would, literally, wrong they would literally sit in front of the grill like cavemen and waiting for it to literally come off the grill and just eat it with, no, with their hands. Oh, man, these guys are literally all cavemen. Mind you, there was a, uh, a fire pit going at the same time. So you take your meat and you go sit at the fire pit and just stare into the fire <laughs> as you enjoy the steak. Yeah, you get a lamp for dinner and then for dessert, you get some goat. <laughs> <laughs> but my whole thing about sides was that, like, why what? have sides? Yeah. That just takes away from the amount of meat you can eat. Like, why do I fill up on potatoes when all I can do is just have more steak? Um, so, you know, when it came to... Um, uh, Billy Doe Meats. Uh, honestly, we we were a wholesale business. We 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 still are a wholesale business. But Hatem said, you know, there's a there's a good opportunity here because what you what we have, which is basically real food, is something that people are looking for. Um, people are looking for access to real food, and I think a lot of times is that um, because for a lot of people their diet consists of processed foods, they're victims of their options. 
Um, so because, because there's no real access to real food, um, there, you know, people are, uh, people are making decisions that they maybe wouldn't make if they had more options, if they knew how to get to real food. Um, we were kind of, you know, blessed because, you know, my mom, she didn't buy us like so sodas or processed foods or anything like that. And, um, she also, we, we like to grill. So she just, you know, marinate some stuff for us and we just put it on the grill. So we kind of had this idea of, you know, real food and, and our, our business is fresh lamb, fresh lamb and fresh goat. Um, it, it, that's what we provide to the local air, to the local market around us in Chicago. Um, so when, when, when Hatim said, you know, there's an opportunity here to, um, to branch out and, and, and give more people access, more people are looking for this. We jumped on it and that's how Hatim got involved. Uh, and that's kind of the start of this portion of our business being Billy Doe Meats and how we're trying to provide people more access. Because the thing is, like, I kept telling, like, when I joined the team, um, there was basically a lot of opportunity for um, us to work as a family. And that was the most important thing. But what happened was I kept taking a lot of meat for myself, right? And I'm taking for myself because it's, well, you know, it's convenient. I was product sampling, you can call it. Right. So I was uh, eating a lot of meat and I'm like, man, there's a lot of people in this community that are buying um, meat and they buy it. They want they don't necessarily care about price. They just want quality, you know, and that's what we've been focused on for the last 20 some years is we provide quality meat. So, I, you know, when we all the focus on was, you know, wholesale distribution, distribution. And I said to them, guys, I feel like there's an opportunity for us to work in this community to give people other options besides beef, chicken and pork. Because as you as you guys know, and uh, Chris, you you know the lamb is is very is very marbleized, has so much fat on it, and is delicious. And goat is super super jam packed with minerals and all kinds of you know vitamin uh, essential minerals and stuff like that. And it's extremely high in protein. So so just to give a perspective, I I grew up eating beef. Um, you know, goat and lamb. You know, our our parents would eat that. Because that's what kind of they, they were used to it. So I, I had no interest in it until one day, I was maybe 14, 15, I tried uh, a goat steak and I never looked back. Yeah. I never looked back. I, I, I you know, I, whatever, I had, I had a, a normal steak marinade on it. So tried it and I'm like, uh, this is my, this is my, this is my staple from now on. Um, and I do still eat a variety of different meats, but if I have an option between, goat lamb and beef i'm gonna go for the goat lamb and then maybe save some room for beef yeah exactly. but it, it, you know the one other thing is the quality of our meats is 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 what drives the flavor and I, and I wish we could take credit for that but we really can't take credit for the quality of our meat uh the quality of our meat is because of our farmers um you know we've been working for the same farmers for about 20 years the same ranchers um and this network that we've established and these herds that have been generational now um that's really where the quality lies. It's in our farmers' husbandry practices. So, um, we, you know, it, we owe it to our farmers basically the, for the quality that we receive. Yes, that's so interesting uh, because most people in the carnivore community, their go-to is the steak, beef, pork, and chicken. And yep. I'm very interested in lamb and goat. And I'm just wondering if you could talk about the sustainability of the farming practices uh, with lamb and goat to educate our listeners. I've been um, traveling, whether it's in the Midwest or in other areas of the country, and you know, meeting with different farmers and ranchers, and really gotten the opportunity to learn about how they raise their animals or how their how their um, their practices. And what I really saw, what really impressed me, was how their kind of their rearing practices were really focused on the well-being of the animal. You know, they were very focused on, you know, okay, first off, we need to have experienced, uh, experienced herders. We got to make sure that their living conditions are good. We got to be feeding them the right, uh, the right foods that are going to be good for their uh, gut health, their gut health. And so just, just those little, uh, well, I'm not gonna say little, but just those, that attention uh, to detail on, you know, the actual health of the animal uh, really impressed me. And then, because ultimately these are not factories, these are farms. Yeah. So 
when you, you know your farm when you have a farm and you are raising your own animals which a lot of our uh, farmers and you know some of the ranchers and some of the Amish communities that we buy from their um, their livestock is an extension or their where their livestock is is literally an extension of where they live so they 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 don't they they wouldn't and they don't divorce their living conditions from the living conditions of their animals um, and a happier animal just leads to healthier Yes, and you were saying that 65% of the world's meat is actually lamb and goat that is consumed. And I was just wondering if you could speak to how the lambs are raised as far as um, how, what they eat and how they sustain the land. So, so typically, uh, you're going to have a, from my understanding, is you have a uh, grass-fed diet for the majority of their lives. And then just depending on... This is lamb. The lamb, yeah, yeah, yeah. and depending on um, just each each rancher is going to be different. But then they'll have either they'll continue them on grass, or they might switch them over to grain, uh, just depending on what they're looking for. And the experience that we've had with the farmers is that um, there's a there's a term out there that's pretty famous. It's called the Colorado lamb. It's like a buzzword that's going around right now. That's like the hype. What a Colorado lamb is, and according to the uh, American Lamb Board Association, which is backed by the USDA and funded by Congress, is that a Colorado lamb is basically a lamb that's over 100 pounds and it's grain finished. And what they do is when you grain finish the lamb in the last 30 days um, before harvesting the animal, is basically it changes the fat, the uh, what's it called, the fatty acid composition in the in the in the animal. And it gives you a much more milder, sweeter taste to the animal. And that's why, like, if you taste, for example, domestic lamb compared to New Zealand and Australian lamb, they're grass-fed their whole lives, where domestic lamb are mostly finished on, our last 30 days are finished on grain. And that taste, that change in taste, because if you go to, like, we go to a lot of high-end, we've gone to a lot of high-end restaurants, and I'm not going to name names, but places that charge you 50 bucks for a couple of racks or I mean a couple of chops um, you know I go with my uh, I go with family to a Greek restaurant and they basically sell you a leg of lamb and it's from New Zealand and you can taste the gaminess right I'm not saying this say it's a bad thing but that gaminess is maybe too strong for some people and maybe it puts off a lot of people from eating lamb because they're like man this is really strong I don't I don't like this really gamey taste right but if you taste domestic lamb because of the way the diet is here in the United States it's a completely different taste. It's a much uh, more milder and much more marbleized kind of meat, which, and as, as you know, is that if you're, the higher the fat content in, in, a, in a meat, the longer you are sati satiated. And that's basically like what I've been focusing on. If I do eat beef, I eat ribeyes because they're high in fat, you know? And then if I eat lamb, I'm eating the fattiest part of the lamb, you know? And, well, I eat the whole thing. I don't care what part of the lamb I'll eat. I'll eat the whole thing, you know? But when it comes to, and that's where the, Basically, you're changing the composition of the animal. And this is, you know, this is huge for um, people to know that because a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people just think, oh, I'm going to buy lamb. It's going to be, you know, too gamey. And their experience has always been too gamey. And if you look at, you know, the statistics, like seven out of 10, every 10 restaurants in the United States offer lamb. So it's not some weird, you know, exact. In fact, high end restaurants offer lamb as if it's some super specialty kind of food. In reality, is it's very popular. Like you, like you said, when you started, sixty-five percent of the the world consumes it's actually goat normally. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's so it, the goat is not as some weird exotic meat that people are just not used. Is uh, people don't eat around the world? It's actually more popular than people think. It's actually more popular than beef around the world. So, what is exotic is the spices that people put on the on the meat. Um, but you know, if you use those same spices on beef, you'd find those dishes just as exotic. Um, but what you're saying about gaming is most, I mean, even me, when, when, when I would go to a restaurant, I got to prepare myself for how gamey this lamb is going to taste. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to when we get meat from our farmers, I just get a flavor. I just get that lamb flavor without that gaminess that I do have to prep for. And, um, you know, I, and I realized the difference. So I stopped ordering lamb from outside. I just, you know, if it's domestic, raised by, you know, American farmers, I, I know the quality and the texture and the flavor that I'm going to get. Um, so, 
I, I just I, I I this is just a personal preference because I, I I'm one of those people that gaminess I could do without. So I I I look for domestic lamb. And the thing is, we have family and friends that are like, oh, I don't eat, I don't eat lamb. I don't eat lamb. And there, I swear, we actually serve them lamb, and they'd be like, oh man, it's fantastic. What is this? And I'm like, lamb. And they're like, what? Like that's not what I'm used to. This is not what we mean. This is lamb. I'm like, I swear. There's a guy who swore he'll never eat lamb. He's a friend of the family. I'm not going to call him out right now because, you know, I don't want to embarrass him. But you know who you are. But he basically was like, I'll never eat lamb. It's so disgusting. It's so disgusting. And then I made him a lamb burger. And he's like, man, this is fantastic. It's delicious. What is this? And I'm like, kangaroo. It's a kangaroo. <laughs> I was like, no, it's lamb. And he's like, come on, man. And he's like, seriously, I'm like, it's lamb. And after that, he's like, every time we have a family get together, he's like, hey, you guys any got more lamb that I can get some? I'm like, yeah. So. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm. I've been so excited to introduce you guys to the carnivore community because, like you said, I think especially here in America, a lot of us are just not familiar with lamb and goat. I mean, they do look at it as kangaroo or emu or <laughs> some yeah, strange thing. Where for most of the world and for most of history, lamb and goat herds have been a foundation of human health and nutrition. Uh, a lot of the indigenous peoples that we talk about you know had herds of lambs and goats you go back to biblical times that that was the meat that was being eaten even some of the milk and the dairy and the cheese that is referenced in ancient texts came from lamb and goats not you know uh jersey cows <laughs> you know these these were the animals that mankind was thriving living under and done right as you guys do is absolutely delicious. And I think that, you know, a lot of us are concerned about soil, you know, revitalization and uh, good farming practices. And I wondered if you can speak to that. I have seen even in some mainstream uh, magazines lately talking about goats and the roles that they can play, even with like fire prevention out in California and the way that these goats can go through and and just take out all of the the scrub and the unwanted uh, growth. Can you talk a little bit about how lamb and goat can play a role in revitalizing the climate? Yeah, so I've uh, visited actually a couple of farms where they are using goats and lamb to uh, uh, reach uh, for like regenerative grazing uh, and to bring back the health of the soil as well as the, um, the natural vegetation of the land. So typically when a lot of these, um, when kind of goats were removed, goats and lamb were removed from, let's say in the Midwest, from the, um, uh, from the land, it caused a lot of invasive species to start growing in in you know around and right now what these farmers are, are doing is that they're bringing all these they're bringing the goats to use them because goats are very uh they're skilled grazers and they will pretty much they will go after those invasive uh species that are in that are uh that are kind of growing and they'll kind of stop them from uh spreading and I've actually visited one of one of one farm not too far from us, where he pretty much showed me uh, how, you know, the goats in one area that he was, uh, I guess, you know, bringing back, restoring, how pretty much how the goats went in and ate up all of the, you know, the shrubs, and it was just now like this plain, this like the, just grass and trees. And it was beautiful, and he kind of compared it to me to his next area that he was going to, you know, put the goats in. And so it was really interesting. Um, you know, they use them to when they graze there. Not only are they taking away those invasive species, but their droppings are actually causing the soil to become more uh, to restore their health. And it was really, you know, fascinating. And he was telling me about just kind of how you were saying that um, they pretty much reduce the severity and the risks of wildfires that are spreading. And he was saying, you know, like California, 
if they use more goats, it can reduce the effects that the qualifiers are having on the state. And, you know, in addition to that, you know, they're, they use them after he is done with his, his harvest. He pretty much puts, sends in the goats to kind of clean up the land, clean up the, uh, the post-harvest land. And, and while they're doing that, they pretty much revitalize the soil. It's and also, and I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt, but, and also according to the American Land Board too, some information that, you know, that we've been, you know, given to us is basically um, what they're saying is that, that um, for land management purposes, including noxious weed control, uh, crop cleanup and reducing risk of severity of wildfires, like Ayman was talking about. But more importantly, that the grazing actually estimated saving almost 12,000 gallons of diesel a year, which is huge for the environment, you know, and that's, that's just goat. This is, a, this is, I'm sorry, that's just lamb. So imagine if you were to compound that with goat and see what the numbers are. I mean, 12,000 pounds of diesel fuel being saved a year just in that is incredible. So, and everybody's conscious about how they can, you know, help the environment and, and what ways that we as a, a society um, can, can, can make sure that, you know, we are making the earth um, better than, than when we, uh, after we use it. And it's just amazing how, you know, nature takes care of itself. So instead of having, you know, using the weed killers and, and um, you know, taking the tractor to kind of, you know, do something with the soil, you can just set your herd of goats or your neighbor's herd of goats uh, on your plot of land and let nature do its work. They're natural lawnmowers, basically. Yeah, they're natural lawnmowers. So um, they're the original John Deere's. Uh, so. <laughs> Besides being natural lawnmowers, what are some of the top lessons that you've learned uh, since you've started your business regarding farming and lamb and goat? So actually, when we were younger, we, uh, lived, abroad, we lived abroad for a period. And during that time, my dad decided to take his experience as far as, you know, from having his own farm here and his own uh, processing operation and decided, you know what, we're going to raise our own animals and we're going to raise our own meat. And so we pretty much built the shelters, the irrigation systems, and we were feeding them and, and um, taking, care of, taking care of them daily. So for me, the biggest thing that my dad used to push on us was, you know, this is actually going to teach you, you know, the value of where your meat comes from. And it's the husbandry, basically. Husband, and it's also going to teach you, you know, when you take care of something, it's going to make you more compassionate towards it. And you're going to really... Uh, have a respect for, you know, what it takes to, you know, to raise something and to pretty much have it serve a purpose for you. Yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting that um, you had mentioned before, you know, how goats are kind of mentioned in the Bible and how the prophets were shepherds. So like Moses, you know, being a shepherd and all, it just, it, it shows you, you know, it, it gives you a perspective that you, you that you would have. I mean, a lot of people have pets, and that's good because you need to have, you you need a person and his children or their family needs to have animals in their lives, um, and not just other human beings because um, it gives you a different perspective because you see the dependence and you also begin to depend on them for whether it's you know food, shell, uh, clothing, uh, milk, um, comfort, comfort. Um, yeah, I mean, because these animals, they, they, you know, they get attached and you get attached to them. Um, so you just become part of the cycle. Um, and, you know, I, I, our business is, it give, gave us an opportunity to be a, a part of a bigger picture. And that's kind of what we appreciate from, from being a part of this. Yeah, that is, that is awesome, guys. And it's, it's so neat that you're able to do that, that you're able to do that together as a family. I mean, this is... This has been the human experience for, for eons. Families caring for their herds, feeding themselves, using all of the parts of the animal for clothing and tools. And I mean, this is how we thrived forever. And they are such amazing animals. I, you know, as part of the, the prep for today, I was just looking at some of the interesting facts about goats. Those are some hardy animals. I mean, <laughs> these guys can climb cliff walls. 
Have you seen the goats in the trees? They're the original Spider-Man. <laughs> it's the craziest picture. You'd think it's photoshopped. It's a yeah. tree filled with 20 goats, like standing on tiny little branches. Like, how is this possible? I mean, these are amazing, amazing animals. And what you guys are doing is absolutely the solution and not the problem. The solution is more livestock in more fields taking care of nature like you said Hottam, you know nature doing its thing it's it's not in science it's not pea protein it's not chemistry experiments but it's nature and i absolutely commend what you guys are doing love 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 the meat i have some uh actually I have a lamb and a goat steak waiting for me when we're done with the podcast i'm going to be enjoying that and uh yeah i'm 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 so excited what are you know in uh if each of you wants to, like, what are some takeaways? What are a couple of thoughts that you would leave our audience with when it comes to any of these topics that we've talked about today? So I'll, I'll just say a couple of things, uh, circling back to some of the weight loss too, and then also a little bit about more about lamb. And just quickly about lamb, you know, it's important for us to be working with um, farmers and American farmers. We want to support the American economy and support American uh, farming is is a very I don't want to say dying but it's a, it's a, it's a such a tough market nowadays um, for farmers out there and what most people don't know is that there are over eighty thousand family farms that raise lamb so lamb is not some exotic kind of meat it's actually really popular and if you buy domestic meat you buy domestic lamb you're actually supporting the American com- economy and farmers. You know, and we, like I said, he, like Henny was saying, we work with Amish farmers. We work with farmers all the way out west. We work with farmers nationwide. And, you know, it is very important for us that we keep that tradition that we're not buying. A lot of the people that we, uh, I don't want to get into that, but basically there's a lot of people that we, wholesalers we deal with, and they buy everything frozen from overseas, frozen overseas. And it's always cheap, cheap, cheap stuff. And the reality is uh, we believe that people are willing to, to pay for quality and supporting our American farmers. And that's the most important thing for us. And then regarding for myself, I have just a quick story to say about the weight loss and just, and hopefully it helps other people because what happened for me and um, when I lost the weight halfway through, and this is important for hopefully some of your listeners that are um, are thinking about keto or not, whatever, just just so they understand. My brother is six foot two and 210 pounds. He's been healthy his whole life. He runs eight to 10 miles a day, seven days a week, and he works out, he runs marathons. He's been healthy his whole life. So a year into me being in keto, he basically, we were at a restaurant once he saw us eating and he's like, I could do that. I was like, you know, if you think it's so easy, try it out for a month, okay? So he tried it out. Two weeks in, he calls, I'm sorry, two days in, he calls me and he's like, I can't move my body. I'm like useless. I can't go to the gym. I can't function. Nothing's working. And I was like, just hang on. You'll be fine. The third day, he was fine. And fast forward, over that next 10 months, he lost 30 pounds of fat, you want to say, or body weight that he didn't really have. He went down to 180 and then put on 10 pounds of muscle. So now he is an absolute beast in the animal. He's a, he's a monster. And he's like, he, like he went from being just a skinny tall guy to being an animal. Amen works out with him all the time. If you see what he looks like, his arms are veins and everything. He's just an animal now. And he's like, I couldn't believe it. And he eats like six to 7,000 calories a day. And he now, and he just ran the New York marathon in his best time ever. Fat fueled, no carbohydrates, no sugar, no juice, no nothing. And that, and to him, he's like, this is, this is the answer for me. And this is a guy who eats Super high protein. So I'm focused on super high fat. He eats a lot of high protein. So he eats a lot of goat. You know, he eats lamb too, but goat for him because he focuses on protein. So that's what he focuses on. And then one more story because I don't want to take up all the time because I'm sure these guys have something to talk about. But one last story is my I had a friend of mine who literally saw same same time with my brother. We were at dinner. He's like, you know what? I'll try it out for a month. Now he's diabetic. He's like 6'3". He was 300 pounds. And his A1C was 14.1. And if anybody knows A1C numbers, that number is astronomical. He literally used to say, I have maple syrup running through my body. Okay. So he ends up doing it for, I think it was three months. And in three months, 
he lost 50 pounds. His A1C went down to like 6.3. And he went to his doctor and his doctor was like, wow, look, the medicine's working. He's like, no, the medicine isn't working. I'm actually stopped eating sugars and processed foods and I'm doing a low carbohydrate ketogenic diet. And his doctor, what you know, guess what his doctor told him? He told him it's going to kill you. He's like, yeah, but I just lost 50 pounds. I don't need, I, I don't, I work out more. I eat as much as I want until I'm full. And my cholesterol is perfect. My weight is down. And my A1C is no longer, you know, molasses. So why would you tell me that? I, so he ended up basically firing his doctor. And I'm glad to say, I'm happy to say now he is basically no, no longer on blood pressure medicine. No longer on metformin. He's no longer on any medicines. And he's down almost 70 pounds. So I don't want to say, I'm hoping that if anybody listens to this and they have any questions or concerns or are not sure, these are just a few examples. Myself, my brother, and my friend, and all spectrum, overweight, not overweight, high protein, high fat, diabetic, not diabetic, and we've had a lot of success. And I'm hoping that this, you know, my story and their story can help people out. Absolutely. And your story is so inspiring. And I just wanted to give a resource for people looking for more information on the calories in, calorie out. Uh, Dr. Jason Fong has two amazing books, The Obesity Code and The Diabetes Code, to find out some more information regarding this. So with further ado, what lessons and takeaways do you guys have? For me, I mean, I've traveled to, I've traveled to different parts of the country to meet with different, different, to meet with different farmers. And I say, you know, for anybody listening, if you ever get the opportunity to go and visit an organic farm and just see how they raise their, their produce and their livestock and how they use, you know, their livestock to kind of rotate, they rotate them on different parts of the land. Uh, just, you know, like us to let nature, as we were saying before, let nature take care of itself. And see that you know all these things, how interconnected they are, and um, how that leads to a how that leads to better sustainability, you know, for our land. I really think it's a good experience that anybody should jump on if they ever get the opportunity, and you know, look them up in your areas because they're they're very fun to go. They're you know they're very interactive and they're always welcoming for people to come and visit their their farms. Um, for me, uh, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a historian or, or anything like that, but I, I have read that the turning point for the Roman Republic uh, when it became an empire is when they stopped depending on their farmers. Um, that was one of the telltale signs. Um, and uh, I, I just want our listeners to try their best, because um, this is all about lifestyle changes, and, and, and to try their best to depend on farmers, farmers markets, get out there meet uh meet your local agrarian community um i think that's important i mean you know i had to mention earlier briefly that you know a lot of people want to do business with meat that's from overseas and to be honest for us that would have we had opportunities and that would have been a way less complicated business model but that's just not what it's our not philosophy we, yeah, is it's not something we believe in yeah it's, it's not it's not our philosophy and it's not what we would eat and it's not what we think people that's not what we would encourage people to eat uh and and lastly if there's anybody out there who's either you know has a farm or, or wants to raise raise livestock or um, is interested um, in how they can sell their livestock or make some money off of their livestock, um, we would you know definitely please feel free to reach out to Billy Doe Meats. Um, we would love to you know connect you with um, some options for your livestock. Wow, quite a plug there, huh? <laughs> That's not. Absolutely. And for me personally, meat boxes from ranchers and farmers in the United States are a huge part of my diet. I have them delivered to my home, fresh grass uh, fed, grass finished beef, all sorts of different meat cuts. It's convenient. And I know that I'm not only supporting the ranchers and farmers, but I'm also providing amazing food for my family. And these meat boxes for the most part, are extremely cost efficient versus going to your local supermarket. I know in Massachusetts that can be quite expensive. I'm not quite sure how it is in other states. So how can these guys find you and be able to order your goat and lamb? Actually, you can uh, follow us at Billy, at Billy Doe underscore meats on our Instagram. 
We're on Facebook also. And then our website is www.billydoemeats. And um, you can basically, we offer oh, billydoemeats.com. I'm sorry. If people don't know that, then you know, shame on them. But uh, basically, um, we offer a lot of the we offer a lot of individual cuts. We do a ground, we do organs, and we have actually a lamb subscription box that you can do on a two week base, a four week base, and a eight week base, depending on how many pounds you're looking for. We have four, six, and eleven pounds. Now, some people might look at it and say, you know, some people are always put off by price and say, well, price this is you know something might be expensive or not expensive, but. The way I look at it is this. Everybody goes to Starbucks and basically spends $5 or 6 bucks on a pumpkin spice latte. You know, you wouldn't spend the same of 5 or 6 bucks to buy yourself a, a good, healthy steak. So, in our opinion, you know, I think the quality is very important. And the fact that we want, you know, lamb and goat more readily available to people. And not just that, of the highest quality and um, domestically raised, which is, you know, supporting our American farmers. And you can find all of our products, all of our items at billydoughmeats.com, and you can buy it from there. So do you guys have any uh, specials coming up for the holidays? Uh, we're working on some specials right now. We're going to post them on Instagram in the next couple of days, hopefully. So um, we want to do like a holiday special price. Uh, and we're working on it now. We don't want to give away anything yet, but we will have something for you guys soon. Awesome. You see it, you'll know. Let's just put it to you that way. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. This has been just a fantastic episode. I'm excited for our listeners to uh, to get to know you guys. And uh, I think you're just shining examples of what returning to health, uh, returning to nature does, not only for health, but, uh, you know, for business, for the economy, and for uh, – just, you know, the health of the planet. So thank you so much. We're going to keep up with your story and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the, the auto wild grill is the king of sophistication, bringing that steakhouse feel into the comfort of your own home. Portable, easy to assemble and clean. The auto wild grill packs a big punch in your grilling game. With only three minutes of preheating needed to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit, you can expect moisture and flavor sealed within a gorgeous steakhouse crust in minutes. The secret is in the Auto Grill's radiant technology, which allows for higher searing temperatures, faster cooking, and juicy steaks. What are you waiting for? Save $300 off the purchase of your grill today. See the show notes for discount link and code. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.